The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of The How of Business is sponsored by Ustas, the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. As a small business owner, you know firsthand the difficulties of managing everything from payroll and accounting to keeping your website updated. Ustas Small Business Solutions helps you with everything from starting your business, operating it efficiently, and seeing exponential growth. All of the products and services offered by Ustas are geared towards small businesses, and their pricing is too. For more information about how Ustas can help your business, please visit the show notes page for this episode. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Alan Dibb. Alan, welcome to the show. Hey, Henry. Good to be on the show. It's a pleasure to have you, and uh, thanks again for your consideration and patience. The last time we tried to do this, I had technical issues on my end, so... I appreciate you being gracious enough to give me another chance. You're chatting with us from Australia in the morning, right? I am. I am. It's nice and early in the morning, but uh, it's a pleasure to be on, on the show and speaking to you. Fantastic. Well, again, thanks. Thanks for being patient. Let me share a little bit about Alan's background and we'll get into the conversation. Alan is a serial entrepreneur, a marketing and technology expert, a business coach, and an author. He has started and grown multiple businesses and various industries, including IT, telecommunications, and marketing. One of his previous businesses was in the telecommunications industry where he faced heated competition from multi-billion dollar and multinational competitors. He grew that business from startup to four years later being named by Business Review Weekly as one of Australia's fastest growing companies and earning a spot in the coveted Business Weekly Fast 100 list. Alan's passionate about helping businesses find new and innovative ways to leverage technology and marketing to facilitate rapid business growth. And his book, which I love, is the one-page marketing plan, Get New Customers, Make More Money, and Stand Out from the Crowd. So we'll be chatting about that book and the this whole concept of the one-page marketing plan, which I love and is so appropriate for us as small business owner. As I mentioned, Alan lives in Melbourne, Australia. And so today he's going to share with us briefly his journey to where he got, excuse me, how he got to where he is today rather. And then, as I said, diving into the idea of the one page marketing plan and how he helps clients do that. And the book explains it as well. So Alan, once again, welcome to the show. Hey, pleasure to be here, Henry. All right, let's get started with the journey. Just uh, share with us, if you would summarize what you were doing before you became a business owner and, and what led to you starting your first business? 
Yeah, so look, I started my business with, as um, I think Michael Gerber describes, as an entrepreneurial seizure. I was good at, <laughs> it. <laughs> I was good at the technical thing that I did, so I figured, hey, uh, I, I'd be pretty good at the business of what I did, which was, uh, in fact, very, very wrong. Um, so I struggled for many years as a dead broke IT geek. Um, like I said, I was really good at the technical part. Um, the few clients that I had really loved the work and the service that I did, but unfortunately I didn't have enough clients. So mm-hmm. that took me on, on probably a good decade journey to, to learn marketing, understand the fundamentals and um, spend years and hundreds of thousands of dollars of trial and error trying to figure this marketing thing out. And, you know, I did that and I, I finally managed to grow that business to be a, a national business. Then then I started a, a new startup and grew that very, very quickly to be one of Australia's fastest growing companies. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. So now I'm helping <laughs> business owners to do the same, use marketing to stimulate very fast growth. And do you believe, Alan, that the, the success you did have with that business was in large part because of figuring out how to do the marketing? Oh, it was uh, actually very much uh, that, absolutely. So mm-hmm. w- without um, without marketing, um, without new clients coming in the door, um, that's what kills most businesses. So um, absolutely a critical skill to have. It's the master skill of business. And you touch on, of course, the thing that, we, we've all struggled with as small business owners, or a lot of us do, I know I did, as you come to it, like you said, often as a technician. And so much of it has to be, I think, at least in my experience, that the, the marketing information that's out there, and we're going to dive into this in a moment, is either geared for much larger organizations or it's a bunch of stuff that's hard for us to understand or it's gimmicky or whatever. You talked about this in an in a episode of another podcast that you did when I was doing the research about keeping it simple, Right. Um, that's got to be one of the big challenges you must find also with small business owners that it doesn't have to be that complicated, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm from a small business background. I'm not from academia. I, I don't have a PhD or an MBA or any of those things. So by necessity, it needed to be simple. So, and fortunately, the fundamentals of marketing are simple. You know, I think mm-hmm. where a lot of people go wrong, they kind of follow the bright, shiny object syndrome, or they uh, they try to overcomplicate it. And that's really not necessary. It, it really is good marketing really is simple. Yeah. And when it's it's simple. It means when you can explain it simply, it means you really understand something. I've always kind of found that to be the case in life generally, right? If, if it takes you a lot of big complicated words or these big hypotheticals, it, especially for small business owners, we need real stuff. We need stuff that really works. Absolutely. And I think that's got to be part of it also, Alan. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. So why did you why did you always want to become your own boss or did you why did you want to become an entrepreneur? Look, I've I've never been a, a very good employee, so uh, I think the you know the longest I'd held down a job before I started my first business was maybe six months or so, and I couldn't wait <laughs> couldn't wait to to get out of of that. And you know, I I did uh, study in college for a while, but I dropped out. I just um, was itching to to start something of my own, and it's really a, a, about I guess two two key things. One is freedom, which a lot of entrepreneurs will relate to, and the other thing was I wanted the fruits of my labor to 
to flow to me rather than to someone else. So hence um, that that was the main reason behind me wanting to start my own business. Yeah, I can completely relate to that. And I'm sure most of our listeners can as well. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about the book. Well, why did you write this book and, and who did you write it for the one page marketing plan? I actually wrote this book with my former self in mind because uh, it was I wrote the book that I wish I I had available when when I was learning marketing because as I mentioned I spent many many years learning through trial and error I read every book possible I read uh, I attended every seminar available I did coaching and all of that and I wanted to synthesize all of that in a book in an easy to follow format so it's the book I wrote for myself and then it's also the book I wrote for my clients because uh, I had started a coaching practice and I wanted clients to have a very easy format to follow. So uh, that's that's the reason that I wrote that book. I wrote it really out yep. of necessity because I didn't think there was anything in the marketing space that really took someone from... Uh, from start to end uh, in a very simple way. So there, there are many awesome books in the marketing space, don't get me wrong, there are some fantastic books, but there was nothing that kind of took someone from what I call zero to marketing hero in, in a single book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially, again, geared to that small business owner that doesn't have nor, nor the budget nor the, the time to, to get too complicated with it, and we'll dive into that. I particularly love the the summary document. Is that something you you decided to do initially? Because reading the summary, not only did it give me tremendous info, but it made me, I have to read the book now. Uh, I'm just curious about this approach of creating this summary, which is so good. Yeah, so the, the, the whole idea be, behind the... Um, the one page marketing plan was uh, I was I spent a lot of time with clients trying to get them to to do a business plan and a, and a marketing plan especially a marketing plan because that that was mm -hmm. really the goal of what we needed to do and so many found it that that it was just di too difficult too hard and especially in their mind they thought it had to be this big long difficult document um, right. they had to have graphs and charts and all of that and probably in the past that was true so um but uh having said that uh i needed a plan that they could do very very quickly very easily because very few of them ever went to the effort of, of putting together a marketing plan, even though both of us agreed that that was a good idea. So mm -hmm. uh, I created a process called the one page marketing plan where in literally a single page in about 20 or 30 minutes, someone could put together a comprehensive direct response marketing plan for their business. Uh, so that that's basically the concept behind the book where following this um, one page marketing plan canvas, you can end up with a sophisticated direct response marketing plan for your business. And it's something that can be a living document. It's not like mm -hmm. a marketing plan that sits in your, your your desk drawer and you never see it for a year. This You can literally pin it up on your wall or have it on your desk and have it as a living document. Yeah, I think that's a, such a huge takeaway because you know, when we're helping clients, I've always read, you know, your business plan is supposed to be a living document. But the reality of that is that the way that we typically go about creating plans, business plans, marketing plans in specific, to your point, usually we're writing it thinking of an external audience, first of all, which is fine. You might need that to share with somebody, but it absolutely then does not become something that's easy to for it to be living, something that we actually use day to day. But that's what this plan lends itself to. It's like that lean canvas approach of that one page 
Um, and so we're going to dive into it in a moment and those those nine steps and three phases that you lay out on this one page. So I I love that about it. That really, in my opinion, is what makes it a living document because it facilitates that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you talk about before we dive into the details that just on the topic of marketing planning, that just ten percent better at doing that. How that has a multiplying effect on our business. Share with me a little bit more about your thoughts there and your experience in your business and as you help others, how that can be so impactful. How having a plan can be so impactful on our business. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Henry. A lot, a lot of people ask, you know, well, why do we work on marketing first? Why don't we work on other other areas of the business first? And my answer to that is because that's the area that gives us the most leverage. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is, like if we get 10% better at negotiation or we get 10% better at you know, uh, manufacturing or delivering whatever product or service you're selling, well, that's great. And that usually has an incremental effect. So, so if you get 10% better, you probably get about a 10% um, better output or better result. Uh, whereas if you get 10% better at marketing, that can have an exponential effect that can add mm -hmm. millions of dollars to your bottom line that can absolutely transform your business because uh, the input is not is so much less than the output. So getting 10% better can have an absolutely exponential effect, sometimes getting 1% better. So it's a real leverage point in any business. And that's why I like to start people off in marketing. It's not that you know, it's not worthwhile working on other parts of your business. It absolutely is. It's very, very important to work on every part of your business. But marketing is the master skill of business, being able to get people in the door, uh, stimulating your cash flow, being able to uh, service new clients. That's super, super important. And that can have a very much a leveraged effect on your business if you do that right. Yeah, I agree. I think the other thing it does, and you've talked about this, Alan, is it keeps us as business owners focused on the right side of the business. In other words, we can sometimes hide behind, well, I'm busy with the numbers or I'm managing expenses. And those things, like you said, are important, but I can delegate those things, first of all, and keep monitoring it. But when I'm focused on marketing, I'm focused then on how my customers or prospective customers are responding and reacting to what I'm selling. And that's where I should be focused as an owner. Would you agree with that? I certainly would, 100%. Yeah. All right. The other thing that is so critical about what you talk about that you know, hit home with me is this difference between brand marketing and direct response marketing. Chat with me about that, if you would, and just introduce that concept or yes. the, that difference between the two, obviously. Yeah. So uh, brand or mass marketing is the kind of marketing that you would normally, um, is the kind of marketing people normally associate with marketing. So it's kind of like the, the flashy billboards, it's the TV commercials, it's all of that sort of stuff, um, which is all fine. Um, but that tends to be the domain of, of larger companies. And then there's direct response marketing. And direct response marketing is where you actually expect um, the person seeing it to do something. So uh, the example I give, so, Coca-Cola, for example, doesn't know how many Coca-Colas got sold from a particular billboard, right? They just know that mm -hmm. they're getting their name out there, they're getting their brand out there, and that's all fine. Um, whereas uh, direct response marketing, we know how many people responded, we know how many people bought from a particular campaign, we know all the metrics. So uh, that enables us to know exactly um, 
how effective that campaign was. So we know, for example, we spent $10,000 on that campaign and we got $10,000 back or we got $15,000 back or, or it was a negative campaign where we, we lost money on the front end. So that that's the difference between, I guess, mass marketing and direct response marketing. So in direct response marketing, we actually want the person who's reading the ad or hearing the ad to actually do something and respond. So, and we can measure all aspects of that. And why that's important is because uh, large, co- it's funny, uh, whenever a small company kind of uh, gets started with marketing, it, it's very often the case where they'll try and follow the tactics and strategies of a of a large company. And yeah. uh, they figure, hey, these guys are successful, so I'll, I'll do the same type of marketing that they're doing. And where that's a problem is that large companies have a very, very different budget. They have a very different time frame and they have a very different agenda. So uh, in terms of time frame, they usually have years to kind of get results. So they don't mind spending a lot of time to get a result. The other thing, they have millions of dollars in their budget. So they can make a bit of a splash with a name kind of um, getting your name out there type of campaign, which is which is fine. But most small businesses need to get a result today or tomorrow and they have a very small budget. And also, large companies have a completely different agenda. So you're, if you're following the tactics of a large company, uh, you're following a very, very different agenda. For example, large companies have uh, want to you know, please the board of directors. They want to satisfy shareholders. They want to win creative awards. They want to get buy-in from different stakeholders and committees. And then somewhere down there, they, they also do want to make a profit, <laughs> right? Whereas for a small business, literally the only thing that matters when it comes to their marketing is making a profit. So if you're following someone who has a different time frame, who has a different budget, who has a different agenda, you're going to get very, very poor results, especially if your your budget, your time frame, and your agenda don't match, which for small, most small business is the case. So for small businesses, you literally need to just make a return on investment on your marketing. And if you're not doing that, then you're going to think that your marketing isn't working. So that's really the, I guess, the long description difference between direct response marketing and mass mass media type of marketing. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing those thoughts. Um, a question that immediately comes to mind or a challenge for me as a small business owner, and I'd like to get your thoughts on is how do I then balance the, the, you know, all these requests that I get to, you know, put up a banner at the baseball stadium at the local high school or put up this over here that is more what would fall in the category of brand marketing, right? It's just my logo or a sponsor of a magazine and it's just my logo. There's no call to action. How do I not let myself get consumed by that and spend all my money there? Is it about budgeting? So I know I have X amount for those types of things that I got to do some of that to inculcate myself in my community, right? But how do I keep that in check? Look, my answer to that would be, if if you don't already have the fundamentals in place, I would just say no to that because there are, you know, I, I look at uh, marketing budget dollars as firepower, right? And I want to spend my firepower in a place where it's going to make it a difference and where I'm going to be able to get a return on investment. So those things I would class as kind of discretionary marketing spend mm-hmm. where, where you essentially, 
you could almost consider it as a donation to the community. Yeah, I was just going to say, so it really is charity, isn't it? And yeah. you're giving that, you're throwing that money away, is what you're saying. Exactly. And I have to agree. Exactly, for, for the most part, for the most yeah, part. Yeah, for the most part, so, right. So, you, you know, and it's it's nice to sponsor your community and all of that right. sort of stuff, so I'm not saying don't do that, but um, I wouldn't rely on that as, you know, you're going to get a big return on investment or something like that. This is Henry Lopez, and I want to take a moment to tell you about Ustas and a great free offer they have for you. Ustas Small Business Solutions specializes in website development and security and online marketing for small businesses. Do you know if your business website is performing well? Do you know if it's been updated for the new Google security requirements? Ustas is offering our listeners a free website audit. There is no obligation or commitment and no credit card required. All you need is a minute of your time to get a thorough report on the health and effectiveness of your website. To take advantage of this free website audit offer, please visit the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com or find Ustas online at ustas.com. That's double O-S-T-A-S, Ustas, the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. The other thing I've found, and, and I've talked about this in other episodes, Alan, is that by having a plan, it's easier, at least for me as a small business owner, to say no to the, all of those requests that we get bombarded with. Do you find that to be the case with yourself and with your clients? Yeah, especially especially ones that don't align with your mission. So, right. if you're if you're clear on if you're clear on where you want to go, you've got a roadmap. So, for example, uh, our new financial year just started and I put together a roadmap for my business, you know, the products that I want to release this year, um, the, you know, the staff that I want to hire, how, how we're going to do our marketing and things like that. So, uh, that's kind of my roadmap for the year. So, if something comes along during the year that aligns with that mission, absolutely, I'll mm -hmm. say yes to it. And if something comes along that doesn't align with that, then you know, I now have a very clear roadmap and I, I know that I just need to say no, you know, uh, yeah. I, I will say no nicely, respectfully and explain my reasons if, if um, necessary. Yeah, agree. Agree. Again, if you, but if you don't have a plan, what you end up is taking a shotgun approach and at the end of the year, you're like where I spent all this money on marketing and I'm not getting any return. So I think that's why it's so critical. All right, so so the one-page marketing plan is broken up into three phases, which I want to touch on. Obviously, we're not going to cover every component of this. That's why you you have to get the book. Again, it's the one-page marketing plan. You can search for Alan Dib. You can go to the How of Business and search for his episode, and you'll find a link to it there. I, I think it's a must-have tool for all, all small business owners. I'm using it. I'm using this approach now. And it's even helped me tremendously. And I've been doing this for a while. Um, so I want to start diving into just a couple of questions in each of the phases. The phases are the before phase, the during phase, and the after phase. And then there are three boxes, if you will, if you're visualizing this one-page marketing plan. Um, did I do that justice? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're absolutely right. The 
the marketing um, the marketing plan split up into three major phases. The, the one-page marketing plan canvas. So it's split, split up into three major phases. So there's the before phase, the during phase, and the after phase. So they're, they're the three major phases of your marketing, and each of those are split up into three uh, sections. So in all, if you visualize a single piece of uh, paper and split up into uh, nine nine boxes, so three three rows of three. Perfect. All right. In the before phase, I want to have a few questions that stood out. Um, first and most importantly, because it's such a big topic, is identifying your niche or your avatar, as some people might call it. Share with me your thoughts on that and why that's so important to identify not just a general demographic or a general market, but an actual niche target market. Yeah, it's so important because whenever you speak to your um, audience, you want them to say, hey, that's for me. And I'll give you an example of that. Recently, um, my wife injured her knee. And guess what she types into Google? She types in knee <laughs> specialist, right? So, so she, she doesn't type in a general doctor who does heads, hearts, brains, knees, um, feet, all of that sort of stuff. No, she wants to speak to someone who's a specialist. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's exactly the same for, for your audience. Your audience wants to uh, speak to the whatever specialist, whatever you're, you're dealing with. So, uh, so that's one reason because you want the people who are reading your ad, ads or read following you or, um, whatever consuming your material, you want them to, when, when they see what you put out say, Hey, that's for me. So that's hugely important. The other reason is that it's very, very expensive to go general. So, uh, mm. if you're, you know, if you say I do a, B, C, D. Well, now you're kind of, first of all, you've, you've lost your niche audience and now you've got to get your message out much, much further to a general audience. Again, it goes back to kind of mass marketing, uh, like mass marketing messages tend to be much more general, whereas direct response marketing messages tend to be much more specific. And it's, it's because you, there's so much waste when you do just a general message to a mass market because the vast majority of people will not be the right target market and will not be interested and will likely ignore what you've got. Only a tiny, tiny percentage will, will hit on. And for the most part, you will have a negative return on investment in that type of scenario. You will, you will have to go very wide. Uh, mm -hmm. It'll cost you a lot of money to do that and you'll have a very, very tiny return on, return on investment. So we want to go niche. It's kind of counterintuitive because a lot of business owners think, okay, I want to attract as, as, as wide a net as possible, right? That's so, right. I, I want to offer everything to this particular market. Let's exactly. say I, I'm going after small business owners. I want to offer everything to them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And your message just get, gets lost. And so uh, your message gets lost and gets ineffective. So you want to be the, I guess, in your target market, this known uh, and the specialist for one particular thing. And what I tell people is once you dominate that area, once you own that niche, you can add others, but start mm -hmm. with one, be very, very specific, have a hyper-targeted audience and be the th authority in that area. Very well said. I, I agree completely. Um, and that's such a huge takeaway for, for us as small business owners. So thanks for sharing those thoughts. Um, the other thing that stood out, and we talked a little bit about this already, is the whole thing about if it doesn't get measured or what gets measured gets managed. So that was a huge takeaway there for me. That That's obvious. It goes back to 
if we're spending money on marketing or some type of marketing or advertising that I can't measure, I'm probably wasting my money there. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's three scenarios when you do doing marketing. You either uh, don't know if you're getting a return on investment, you're getting a negative return on investment, or you're getting a positive investment. They're the mm -hmm. three scenarios. And if you don't know, um, that's definitely a problem. <laughs> yeah. The other thing you recommend is hiring experts. Like we just talked about, there are people out there that are offering us services in an area of specialty. If I'm if I if I don't know and I'm not an expert in Facebook advertising, get help. So talk to me about that that philosophy and approach and why that's so important, especially for a small business owner that really should not get distracted trying to become an expert in those areas. Yeah, so um, media uh, is probably going to be your most the most expensive part of your marketing. So whether it's mm -hmm. Facebook, Google AdWords, whether it's print media or online or, or whatever. So given that it's most your most expensive part of your marketing journey, it makes a lot of sense to hire someone who's a specialist, who's a specialist in that area. So um, if you try to, most likely, if you try to do uh, ads yourself, like Facebook ads or Google ads, you're going to do it wrong and you're going to end up overpaying. So you're going to end up overpaying for the most uh, expensive part of your marketing journey. So uh, these things, uh, I say to small business owners, just get someone who's a specialist just to do it because there are so many variables. It's uh, gotten so technical and so difficult that it's absolutely worth hiring a professional to, to do those things because if you end up overpaying for, for ads, that can turn your campaign from being a positive return on investment, which it might have been with a specialist. And that, you know, hiring a specialist is no guarantee that you're going to have a positive return on investment, by the sure. way. So you need to track and manage that. But you want to give yourself the best possible chance. So uh, a lot of the, the digital marketing has become so technical and so complex that you really, really want to uh, make sure you get it right and hire a specialist to do that. So unless you're an expert at, at, at I mean, if you're an expert at Facebook ads or an expert at Google ads, that's fine, do your own. But uh, what I'm saying is don't uh, let the cost of a specialist um, hinder you from hiring one because very often they're, they're worth their weight in gold and they're worth whatever fee you pay them uh, in the, the savings that they'll save you. Yeah, well said. And I think as you touched on as well, it's also not where we should be spending our time as business owners because that's not what we are in business about, right? We're, we're not Facebook experts. That's not the service we offer unless that is what you offer. Yeah. But I need to be focused on my customer and how do I serve that customer, not in the back office trying to figure out Facebook ads. Exactly, exactly. All right, so the before phase is about get customers to know you and indicate interest. Then we move to the during phase, which is about, as you say, get customers to like and buy from you. In that phase, one of the things that stood out that I'd like you to speak to, if you would, is this whole difference between hunters and farmers. Uh, so explain that, that philosophy or concept and what you mean by that here from a marketing perspective. Yeah, so if, if you think about a literal hunter and a farmer, so a, a hunter wakes up in the morning, they go out there, they try to uh, get a kill, they try to, uh, because that way, uh, if they kill the animal, they can go back and feed their family. Whereas a farmer will go out, they will spread 
uh, seeds, they will water, they will nurture, and then finally they will have a harvest. And both strategies are okay. You know, in marketing, you, you can have hunting strategies and you can have farming strategies. So farming strategies are powerful because they're much more predictable. We, we know for the most part that if we... Um, if we nurture our leads, if we uh, provide them good information, that we're going to have a harvest in the end. So hunting strategies are much more fraught with, I guess, uh, danger somewhat and cost. So sometimes you, you might come back empty-handed, right? So so both strategies are okay, but it's important to just to uh, distinguish them and to understand them. So uh, hunting strategies, I guess, are things like telemarketing, uh, they're things like cold calling mm. and things like that. They're, they're okay. usually a much tougher slog. So they're much more difficult and they're less predictable. Okay, I'm following you. Where I'm, where I've struggled a little bit is how do I reconcile this when it applies to on the advertisement front, an advertisement that is a call to action because we talked about the need for that direct response, and how I blend in the farming component of it in, in that respect. And am I asking that clearly? So, how do I apply that to my advertisement so that I am building that relationship over time? I am farming as opposed to necessarily going for the close. Yep. So. Very often when someone uh, writes an ad, they try to do too much. So they try to mm. they try to tell them how great it is. They try to tell them um, where they're located, how to reach them, all of that sort of thing, and then how to buy from them. And that's too much. And what I say to people is uh, one ad, one message, and one, one purpose, really. And very often, especially when it comes to direct response marketing, the only thing we want people to do when they read our ad is raise their hand and say, hey, mm -hmm. I'm interested. And the, interested. Reason you, and the reason you do that is because you want to put them on your marketing database. You want So you offer something of value. It could be a free report. It could be a video. It could be anything else. They go onto your marketing database. So there's an exchange of value there. So you've got their... Uh, perhaps email address or mailing address or whatever else it is. And then what you can do is keep in touch with them on a regular basis because we know that people prefer to buy from friends or someone that they know, like and trust rather than a complete stranger. So if you've kept up with me for a, a long time and I, I know you and you've created value for me in advance of me ever paying you any kind of money, uh, then I'm much more likely to do business with someone I know, like, and trust than a complete stranger. And the reason that's important is that most people aren't ready to buy, right? On average, about 3% of any target market is ready to buy right now. And that's great. Everybody knows how to deal with someone who's ready to buy right now. Okay, uh, you take them through your sales process. But very few people know how to effectively deal with people who aren't ready to buy right now, who are ready to buy in maybe 6 months, 12 months, 18 months. So people, uh, you know, I guess in the auto industry, if I come come into a car yard and I say, look, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a car in 12 months time, they'll think, uh, th they literally call you a tire kicker, right? They'll say, yeah, okay, well, right. look, come back, right. when you, come back when you're kind of re ready or closer to being ready. So whereas, you know, you, you want to build your, your pipeline, you want to build a, a pipeline of people who are ready to buy from you in six months, 12 months, 18 months, because that's going to be the the farming work that you do, nurturing them and then finally, finally reaping a harvest down the track. So basically coming back to your question, we, we want our ad to 
have people uh, raise their hand and say, look, that's something I'm potentially interested either now or somewhere down the track and have a system for being able to nurture and handle those people? Mm-hmm. Great, great. Yeah. And that, that ties to what you teach as well on, on nurturing leads. As you say, the money is in the follow up. Right. Um, and I think that you gave I'm glad you gave a brick and mortar uh, example, because as I think about that for my businesses, we think that, you know, the, the, to your point, there's only an opportunity when they're in, in my place of business, I got to close them then or they're gone forever. But exactly. we can start to apply a lot of those same philosophies, even in a brick and mortar retail type business. Would you think, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually amazed at how many uh, brick and mortar businesses I go into, which you can tell they're struggling, but you, mm-hmm. you see the business owner or the shop assistant basically standing there and twi- twiddling their thumbs. And right. <laughs> I, I've almost never, ever been asked for my contact details, uh, even at uh, a restaurant that I visit very often or, or a place that I frequent very often. Sometimes they do. And now I guess more and more I'm seeing uh, people have like loyalty clubs and things like that, which is, is sort of uh, down that track. But even with those, their marketing is very... Um, minimal and very timid. So uh, I think to me, if you're running a restaurant of any kind or, or whatever, and you, you've got someone who who visits your establishment, I think part of the process when they, when they pay or leave would be, hey, would you like to be on, on our mailing list and, you know, get updates when we have new a new menu, new offers, new whatever. So um, I think that would make a lot of sense. And yet I've almost never been asked that when I, when I visited uh, any kind of restaurant. Yeah, no, it's a great point. We, we've done it at our self-serve frozen desserts business. We've got a mailing list of over 5,000 emails. Awesome. And the way we've done it uh, successfully is we give them an incentive. If you, if you join our fan club, as we call it, we'll give you a buy one, get one free coupon, which is a great offer for us because they're still spending money. They're probably bringing someone else with them, obviously, to enjoy the buy one, get one. Yep. Um, that's been highly effective for Fantastic. us. All right, so so that was a couple of things I wanted to touch on during the during phase. Let's move to the after phase, which is where customers trust you and buy regularly. And and you talk about and teach in that area, you know, orchestrating and stimulating referrals in specific. And referrals is such a big one. So I'd I'd like to get your thoughts on the things we do in that phase, and then I have a couple specific questions on referrals. Awesome. So go ahead, just share with me your thoughts there on why. Why that's so key and why I think what you're going to tell me is that most small businesses, they don't do this, right? We, we end the, the relationship, if you will, at the close. Yeah, exactly, exactly. M- most people think, okay, the, my marketing finishes when, uh, when the person buys from me. And mm-hmm. uh, that's really uh, going at it very, very simply. And you're, you're leaving so much money on the table. So it's, it's absolutely critical that... Uh, you, you have a good marketing strategy in the after phase. So after someone's bought from you, what kind of marketing do you have in place? What kind of marketing do you have, first of all, to deliver a world-class experience? Uh, what kind of uh, marketing do you have to increase lifetime value? What kind of marketing do you have to st- orchestrate and stimulate referrals? Because the, often the cost of acquiring a customer is very, very high, especially these days with so much distraction and so much uh, occupying our audience. Uh, sometimes the, the cost of acquiring a customer can be even higher than the, the profit we make from them in their initial transaction. So the after phase becomes super, super critical. 
because that can turn a transaction that's either break even or running negative into a transaction that's positive and very positive over the life of the customer. So we want to create a uh, we want to create raving fans. So we want to take people from being cold prospects to being raving fans who buy from us on a regular basis and who refer other people to us. And that all happens in the after phase. So we need to d deliver a world-class experience. We need to figure out ways where we can uh, I guess take a larger share of wallet uh, of the client because very often uh, and when I say that I don't mean that in a scammy way or anything like that but by creating more value for the for the client so very often people don't know some of the other products and services that you offer and just making them aware of that making sure that they're buying in the quantity and frequency that is optimal for them and then creating a system around helping them refer other people to you so and doing that in a orchestrated and stimulated way so uh, having uh, because a lot of people just sit there and hope that someone will send them referrals or hope that right. someone um, refers new business to you and you know hope is not a marketing strategy <laughs> yeah all great stuff so uh, to keep move forward on that or dig deeper on that if I'm in, like, for example, my wife has a, she's a travel consultant. I've been a realtor in my past life where, where you're developing a business by networking to a great extent. The question I always have that I ask myself and I'm asked often is when do I ask for the referral? You've touched on, of course, that I can use systems and technology to help me automate that. And that needs to be part of the process. But in those high, high touch type relationships and transactions, what are your thoughts on when I ask for the referrals? I think you ask for the referrals when when you first start dealing with someone. So I, I like to to say to people, look, um, look, Mr. Customer, uh, uh, you are the perfect type of client for me. I like to keep my costs low to to my clients, and and I like to reduce the cost of my product. And that's why I rely on people like you to to give me referrals. And um, so that's the way that I, I keep my costs low. And, you know, I expect that, you know, I'm going to do an awesome job for you. And I would really, really appreciate if after I do that awesome job for you, that you refer me to two or three of uh, people who are like you. So because most people know other people who are like them mm -hmm. and, and in a similar station in life or similar situation. So you would make that expectation up front because a lot of people wait till the whole transaction is done and everything is, right. is all, all, all finished and then they ask for referrals. But I like to get my clients and I like to tell tell my clients that, you know, I do expect a referral uh, down the track. I'm going to do a great job for them, but you put that seed in their mind as early as, po as, early as possible as, as you can. Okay. I, I love that. That's a great perspective. Thanks for sharing that. All right, I want to read a quote from the book that I think summarizes this deep dive. Um, it's, quote, the one-page marketing plan is all about implementation. Knowing and not doing is the same as not knowing, end quote. I, I think that summarizes so well that your point here, I mean, you've developed a tool that makes it easy for me, a lot easier than other approaches to develop a living, breathing marketing document. But I got to I got to execute on it. I have to implement it. Right. That's the key takeaway here. That's exactly right. I mean, if you if the doctor pre prescribes some medication and you don't take it, you might as well have not bothered 
going to see that doctor. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so absolutely. But, but the challenge, I think the challenge has been, Alan, that we are so confused as small business owners. We're so bombarded by this approach or that approach. And it's all so complicated that we end up doing nothing or, or we take a shotgun approach, as we said, and it's, you know, whoever comes knocking on my door, I'll do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and none of it is very effective overall. Exactly. Exactly. And this is where, where a, a plan comes in. So if you've got a plan and you know that what you need to do from a marketing perspective on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, you're not going to get distracted with all of these shiny objects. You're going to know what you need to do because a lot of the time procrastination comes from people just not knowing what to do. And Mm -hmm. the antidote to that is having a very, very clear plan. So if you know these are the three things that are going to move the needle and I need to do this on a daily basis. I need to do this on a weekly basis. I need to do this on a monthly basis. And then you put those things into motion in your business, preferably not you having to do those things. So you have them either outsourced or delegated to a team member. And then those things don't necessarily rely on you to execute. So very often you'll find that the business owner is a bottleneck in the business. So mm-hmm. everything's kind of reliant on them to run. And there's no way to kind of leverage that kind of business and scale that kind of business. So you, you, business is a team sport and you need people on your team to help you execute. Well said. I agree. All right, Alan, summarize for me the services and offerings and programs that you have for your clients. Sure. Um, look, it, it, probably the best way to, to see all of that is on the website, which is successwise.com. Uh, you can grab a copy of the book on Amazon. Uh, the, the book is obviously the one-page marketing plan. We also have a, um, a membership service called Marketing and Business Academy. Uh, so we're where online we we talk about business. We uh, there's coaching, community, and content in there, and then of course I do one-on-one coaching as well with clients. So um, any of those ways, but the best way is probably just to join the mailing list on successwise.com and just join in the conversation. So there's nothing there to buy to join the mailing list. You can join in, see uh, if it provides value for you, and go from there. Perfect. Wonderful. What, what are you enjoying most uh, these days about being an entrepreneur, about what you do? What, what do you love most about it today? I, I love seeing the transformation that uh, happens in businesses when they implement good marketing strategy and tactics, because a lot of them go from being lost to being found. So uh, they, they can really start concentrating on the things that they're good at and delivering value to their clients and creating the lifestyle for the business owner that that they've dreamed of. So it's something that really, really moves the needle for small businesses. And I love being part of that journey. That's great. All right. Uh, I love books. I love book recommendations. Besides your your book, what uh, other books or book that comes to mind that you would recommend? Um, I, I really like um, Robert Caldini's work. Um, I like his original book, Influence, and he recently released a follow-up book called Persuasion, which was really good. So, uh, yeah, I think they're really, really good books in the in the area. Wonderful. Thanks for those recommendations. I've not read either of those. Uh, so we'll have links to those two books as well as to your book, which, again, is the one-page marketing plan, Get New Customers, Make More Money, and Stand Out from the Crowd. Like Alan said, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on his website. You can find it on our website. No excuse not to get it. I think it's it's one of those must-read books. Again, th- there's nothing in here that is like, oh, my gosh, it, this is a new way to market. It's just the the simplicity of 
uh, of the basics of marketing and it's what we need as small business owners. And that's why I was so excited to have you on the show. Let's wrap it up with these last two questions. What's one thing along these lines, along the lines of a marketing plan, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation? The one thing I want people to take away is that marketing is a leverage point in your business. You really need to become the best marketer rather than the best technician in your business. So because, and the reason for that is the best marketer always wins. It's not the person with the best product or service that wins. It's the best marketer that wins. So I want people listening to this to, to win and you, you will learn, you will become a, a winner in, in your industry by being a really, really good marketer. Oh, love that. But, although what I don't want to take from that is that, like you said, I don't need to be the expert on how to execute on a particular, you know, cool. Facebook ad or Google ads, right? But this is where I should be spending my time as a business owner, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's about the marketing strategy, not necessarily yes. doing all of the tactics, but understanding right. the overall strategy. Yeah. The plan, who, who is our target niche, all of those things that you lay out in the nine boxes on the plan. That's what I have to be doing as a business owner. I have to make that a living, breathing document, and then I have to execute on that plan. Now, I'll hire people or delegate on the, the technical components of it, but that's what I need to be focused on as a small business owner. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Tell us again where you want us to go online to find out more. Uh, just join successwise.com and uh, just join my mailing list. Perfect. Alan, this has been a great conversation, as I knew it would. Uh, thanks so much for sharing. I love the book. Thanks for being gracious about the technical issues and coming back on and letting me have another attempt at this. This is going to be a great episode for myself and for our listeners. Thanks for being with us today. It's a pleasure, Henry. It was great to be on the show. This is Henry Lopez, and you've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again was Alan Dibb. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website, thehowabusiness.com. Thank you to Ustas for sponsoring this episode of The How of Business. Ustas is the one-stop shop for startups and small businesses. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.